You're listening to the Safety Tribe interview series, brought to you by our sponsors, Advanced Safety. I'm your host, Matt Jones. The Safety Tribe is New Zealand's VIP health and safety community, breaking the mold and doing health and safety differently. You're tuned in to the New Zealand Health and Safety Professionals live interview series, the COVID-19 response, brought to you by Advanced Safety. I'm your host, Matt Jones. and welcome to the latest episode of the New Zealand Health and Safety Professionals COVID-19 response, which has been a series of subject matter expert interviews, which I've been really privileged to um, uh, uh, facilitate. And today is no different. So today we are joined by Hilary Walton, who is the CISO at Cordia here in New Zealand. So Hilary, welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. It's such a, a, a pleasure to be speaking with you again. Um, a few weeks back, we got to talk on the uh, Business Leaders New Zealand podcast, uh, which was right. here on Plains FM uh, here in Canterbury. And um, and now we get to do this here live on uh, the stream. So uh, it's just what a crazy um, period we've uh, recently gone through. We'll definitely be picking your brains on that. <laughs> um, uh, but I guess really, let's just kick off by giving you an opportunity to introduce yourself and, and yeah, just do a bit of a, a Hilary Walton spiel. So yeah, yeah, sure. I'd love to. Mm -hmm. Yes. So um, when I do kind of try and explain who I am, I, I make a, a really big point of saying I'm lots of different things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, wife, mother of three, um, I'm an organizational psychologist, risk management professional, yeah. um, security um, practitioner and, and expert. And, you know, there's kind of that part of me. And then there's this whole kind of other side as well. Um, I do a lot on social media and YouTube. And I, I'm really passionate about sharing ideas about technology and people, so digital culture. Um, and so, yeah. So that's kind of a bit about me. But as you, as you mentioned, my day job is Chief Information Security Officer at Cordia. Mm, okay. And Cordia, a lot of people haven't heard of them, so I don't know if I should explain who they are. Yeah, yeah, please, we're, um, yeah. we're, it's a really cool company. It's really diverse, which in this environment has been really good for the company. Yeah. So they are a telecommunications company, business to business. Mm -hmm. um, but they also do things like they transmit TV and radio in New Zealand. So that's obviously a really important service during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, so really important to keep that going. Uh, we also do maritime emergency and we've got a big cyber security arm to the organisation as well. So mm -hmm. really interesting organisation and lots of different risks across all those different areas to manage as well. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And then, so in terms of um, Chief Information Security Officer, um, would you like to just define what that role is and what that looks like? Yeah, sure. So it's, um, so I'm the person who's responsible for the overall security position in the company. Um, so that's across Australia and New Zealand. So um, there's a lot of really talented security experts within Cordia. Um, and it's it's my job to make sure that we've got the right security strategy over the next three years and got the right initiatives that we're running. Um, you know, there's a lot of governance work in there and policy work, uh, making sure we are running at the right security standards to meet our um, kind of risk appetite. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, making sure that security awareness is, you know, really, you know, well done in the company, that everyone knows what they need to be doing to contribute to security and things like that as well. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, Matt, it's very similar to what you do in health and safety, except mm-hmm. mine has a security lens across the top, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it totally does. Um, many people probably who are tuning in right now um, won't know that we actually had the um, the chance to work together, which was awesome uh, in a in a previous role. We did. Previous it's life. such a pleasure. Um, so we were both um, part of the the same um, uh, leadership team within uh, risk, health, safety, uh, quality, and um, obviously um, information security. And um, it was a real mm-hmm. buzz to, to have that chance to see you in action and also to see what it is you do. Um, so, I mean, in terms of, um, I guess now reflecting on where we are today, obviously we've just come out of yeah. level four COVID-19 response. We're now into this weird and wonderful world of level three. Um, um, for, for From your perspective, what were some of the things um, that um, Cordia first did in, in, in your role? when yeah. uh, it was announced that you know we were going from level three into level four in a very rapid uh, time frame yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um so there was a real hype of activity even before we went into lockdown as we were going through kind of two three to four and it was all about trying to assess what the risks are so not um we do uh, constant kind of risk management in terms of security so we knew the current risks but as we were heading into lockdown what did that mean? Did the, were the risk levels changing? Were there new risks that were opening up? And, you know, there was. Um, so being really conscious of what they were and then working to mitigate those risks. Mm-hmm. And then as a company as well, because we knew we were heading towards work from home, we started to do, um, you know, BCP exercises. So we sent teams home to work and then made sure they could so that when they mm-hmm. actually had to work from home, they had all the tools and things like that that they needed. But it's really, um, because it all happened so fast, it was, it was you know, crazy to try and get, you know, people that, you know, had only had desktop computers at work all of a sudden, we had to either send them home with the desktop or, you know, get them a laptop somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, Cordia has these operations teams. So there's a security operations team, a maritime one, as well as a network operations team. So trying to make sure that, you know, they can either work remotely or working out their new work patterns and things like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was just lots of technical kind of business continuity stuff that um, had to happen to make the organisation able to work in that more distributed way, which is very different from having everyone in an office. Yeah. Um, you know, it opens up gaps in terms of security and, um, you know, there's a lot more traffic on the network and things like that. So there was quite a bit for the organisation to consider. Yeah, I imagine it would have been extremely busy times. So. I, I, I'm guessing what I've heard um, from others is that suddenly um, the, the, the the silo approach of health and safety and HR, um, all of a sudden it became one and the same thing, right? Yeah, I'm really pleased you raised that. And it was really yeah. interesting because what initially happened was I was thinking, right, I need to update the um, work from home policy. The key thing was, I went into was policy coming writing together mode and going, yeah. and, and then I was like, oh, HR, I should speak to security guys. They were thinking um, the same thing as well. To, you know, work yeah. out actually out putting together a pack policy and things like that. And we need policy, but and not not just having it in policy, but, you know, turning it into something that's a little more digestible in terms of, you know, like a great looking kind of PowerPoint and, you know, trying to get those messages out in different ways. Yeah. But it's funny how the first response was, let's write a policy. And then it was like, oh, hold on, 
they're not going to read that. Let's try and make it more more interesting um, for staff. So yeah. yeah, it was good and it was great because it really um, it helped us as teams come together and integrate into that kind of integrated safety management system, which is like you know where you want to get to and away from those silos of security, health and safety, and actually coming together. Yeah, um, absolutely. It was yeah. really, really good. Similar experience here. I mean, obviously not at the same um, scale, but um, it's that traditional, let's develop a policy. And then from there, we will then start thinking about the safe work methodology statements and the operational side of things. But we just didn't have time to do that. So it's clearly, it was just kind of like, no. what's going to work? Okay, well, what are the, you know, what are the current pain points? And then work our way back. Uh, it's, yeah. it's been such a, an interesting um experience to see how yeah breaking down those silos and being um able to make decisions on the fly uh really it's right a, a trust culture right without that it's just yeah. Yeah. and on top of that as well what i also thought was really interesting was um, i noticed a lot of organizations sharing different information as well because every organization at that time was trying to reinvent the wheel yeah. and write their COVID 19 response and recovery plan or their work from home guide or their um, you know, this is what managers need to be doing with a remote work staff kind of yeah. material and resources. Mm-hmm. And what I was seeing was people going, have you got one of those? Or what have you written? And yeah. all these documents were kind of circling around for the good of everyone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with organisations that you wouldn't normally collaborate with as well, which was mm-hmm. great. So, you know, long may that continue after this, that kind of collaboration and sharing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's possibly at the heart of what we're trying to achieve on this platform as well, is just to try and bring Absolutely. in some of those um, learnings from the initial days um, from various different um, uh, spaces, different experiences and different interest groups. It's, it's been really valuable for everyone so far, based on the comments we've received. Yeah. So um, from those initial days, um, as, as time's gone on, has there been any uh, obvious lessons or um, any uh, further activity that you've had to undertake as as a you know as a result of um, the, the the learnings and as times moved on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's that we've been constantly reviewing those risks and tracking progress in terms of the mitigations and how that's going. So there's kind of been that sort of ongoing work. Mm-hmm. But what I noticed was within the first kind of two weeks, it was all about BCP and the organisation was just. You know, shoring up its network and um, you know, making sure people could work from home effectively. It was all about teaching staff to use the new collaboration tools, which were just rolled out properly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was all of that kind of stuff. So very, very busy. But then for me personally, what I noticed was um, things kind of started to normalise. Mm. And then so I noticed that, like, I got a lot of time to do a lot of my government's work I was, because um, I've had i got a security strategy which we're getting ready for the next year. And so there was a lot of work that I was doing to get that ready. And I, I found myself, I had time to do that, which was good because things had calmed down. Yeah. The other thing which had dropped off was, because I also do a lot of customer work and um, you know external communication and speaking at conferences and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, all of that dropped away <laughs> really yes. quickly. Yeah. Um, so there's kind of, there was kind of, a more relaxed state at work and then now what I'm finding is things are starting to pick up so you know um, companies have worked out how to virtualize conferences and things like that so it's starting to get really really busy again Um, and as an organization what we've had to do you know they've been really busy talking to customers and making sure they have what they need and you know the the organization has kept really busy during this time yeah 
And I think the whole work from home thing actually works really, really well. Mm. Um, not for everyone, because some people need to have that buzz of the office and conversations yeah. and things like that. Yeah. But in a technology company mm-hmm. with potentially, you know, more introverts than not, yeah. um, some people have just, you know, loved it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, it, it, um, I think for the introverts, it was probably a um, very quiet and uh, <laughs> um, subtle celebration going on across the country, I reckon, with the, the lockdown. <laughs> and I, I do feel for the extroverts, I'm sure they've found this period a, a very real challenge, uh, <laughs> probably crawling up the yes. walls at the moment. Um, but yeah, no, like I, I agree. I think it's been a real interesting experience to see what it is like working from home. Um, I, yeah. I was fortunate enough to be able to be recognized as an essential service provider. So that allowed me to get a container delivered um, to our driveway. So I'm sat in a container right now. Oh, yeah. It wasn't possible to work from home. Um, too many kids yeah. and um, just it just wasn't feasible. So um, mm-hmm. it has been a, an interesting experience for sure. And then And I agree. I think initially, the first few days, at least, it was kind of, okay, now we've got everything in order. There seemed to be this sense of peace and calm just for a little bit. And now it's really starting to crank up. Certainly is. Yeah, that's right. With the tech. I mean, and I've seen you, like, on a more personal note, I've I've seen you uh, utilizing social media platforms to get your message across really effectively, too. Um, yes. We, we probably didn't talk too much about this prior to the interview, but would, would you like to just let us know um, what you have been up to on that front and, you know, maybe why as well? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, so I'm I'm a really passionate share of ideas around this thing called, which I call digital culture, which is really this kind of intersection of technology and people and the fact that technology and the internet, it's, just allows us to do things in a much different way. It, it changes the way we, we kind of think and behave and, um, you know, how we make decisions and our behave, you know, behaviour, and I find that fascinating. I guess it's the psychologist coming out of me. Um, so about a year ago, I started doing these little short videos uh, around digital culture, what it is, and, you know, digital culture tips, how you build it within yourself, um, within your organisation, because I do believe when you're digital, it just it does require you to act in a, in a different way. Yeah. Um, and the reason I did that was instead, well, because I have written a book on security culture as well, but um, that was a really long process, again, because I was really passionate about security culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a really long process. And so, you know, with digital, it has to be kind of quick. And so I thought um, videos are a much better way to go. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing that for a year. Um, I'm on a number of different platforms. So you'll see things on YouTube, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, and more recently TikTok and things like that as well. You know, a different platform with a different audience. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't dance on TikTok, by the way. I I do my own thing on there, um, just to be clear. Um, But TikTok's interesting because I I know you're on there too, Matt, but Mm. the the people on TikTok TikTok are growing up really fast. Have you noticed that? Like it's not just kids on there anymore. Yeah, the demographics have really changed, yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's and because it's new, it's kind of fun and relaxed and friendly and, and things like that, which is interesting when you think of the personalities of the different platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then, and so recently as well, I'm, I'm starting a, a podcast, a Digital Culture Ideas podcast as well. And I'm very lucky to have you as um, one of my, one of the people I'm interviewing on that. So that's next yeah, week. I'm really looking excited. forward to that. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. So yeah, I'm I just... Really 
so that whole um, you know being online, being digital. You know, if I'm if I'm true to what digital culture is all about, then I've I've got to be on all the platforms and <laughs> don't I be doing this video, video yeah, yeah, media. Totally. Yeah, and it's just it's it's really nice to hear that you are um, um, aware and you know have the capacity to recognise that the different platforms require a different approach yeah so it's there's no good doing a professional uh linkedin approach where you're very formal and it's kind of like you know you're, you're addressing your uh your client base or you're addressing those who are your peers um if you move that over to somewhere like tiktok or instagram it's just going to fall flat on its face you just it has to, yeah, exactly. it has to reflect the audience um cool so okay so then bringing it right back around to um probably where your uh your concerns and where your focus is in your role um the ciso yes. at cordia um are you starting to see um any emerging threats or any new um risks um emerging i, I imagine yeah. from my own experience um cyber attacks cyber threats are, are, is it fair to say that they're on the rise yeah so definitely on the rise um and the reason for that is because with everyone working from home, mm. what that means is people are on their home Wi-Fi's. Mm. So they're going through um, probably no firewall out to the internet and, and doing their work there. Whereas when you've got people in an office, they are behind your corporate firewall and there's all these other layers of security and it's a lot easier to monitor and manage um, because you can see more because they're all going through the corporate firewall so yeah, work from home does create um, a few gaps for companies, um, particularly if you haven't got that kind of protection on the, the laptop or computer that staff are using, and many don't, because it is an investment. Um, so what that means is, you know, when staff members, for example, click on a phishing email by accident, yeah, and get infected with something, then you know they're First of all, they're less protected, so they're probably definitely going to um, have that malware go onto the computer, and then you might not spot it as quickly as well. Yeah. And then on top of that, bad actors, they just, you know, they love uncertainty and fear and, and things like that. So they really jumped on the whole COVID pandemic thing. Mm. And you're seeing a lot of um, cyber threats or phishing, which is about, you know, um, like pretending to be from the World Health Organization, click here to donate to COVID-19, um, and also um, lots of threats that are, you know, perhaps COVID maps that um, are loaded with malware if you click on them. Um, they're just really trying to use those COVID lures to kind of get people to click on, uh, you know, a document, whatever it might be, and then enter your credentials is the other thing they're really after. And because we're at home, mm -hmm. you could argue, you know, our staff, a little bit more relaxed because they're in their home environment yeah. in their PJs, hopefully not, but <laughs> do you know what I mean? So the, the messaging to, to our staff and which I've sort of been saying is, you know, be extra vigilant at home. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're really not sure if someone has sent you a message, then contact that person out of bounds to see if they have. Because there are some really telltale signs that you can look out for. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you get a message that is completely out of the blue from someone, it's like, oh, that's weird. Why are they sending me that? Mm -hmm. Or if it just doesn't look quite right. Um, or if there's some kind of urgency in the email, like, you know, you know, bring me back straight away. I need to, you know, get this document signed or this bank account changed, da, 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 anything like that is a really big telltale sign that mm -hmm. 
things aren't right, plus poor grammar and things like that. So, yeah, sure. um, so yeah, it's mm. there's a lot more traffic, not not the same defences as people have, and then on top of that, the bad guys are just really trying to get everyone um, by jumping onto the COVID thing. So it's yeah, it's not a great time out there in the no. uh, for people inside the land. Yeah, totally. And, and let's take a moment to get to know a little bit more about the Safety Tribe. The Safety Tribe is a private Facebook community that has exclusive access to subject matter experts, templates and cheat sheets, live high-energy group calls that are all designed to fast-track your career and help you become the best health and safety leader you can be. To find out more and to get yourself a free copy of Turning the Tide, simply visit www thesafetytribe.co.nz So, and then I guess it would be more closer to home. Has, has there been any um, any events or anything that has kind of stuck out uh, within the Cordia space that you, 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 if you're able to even speak to that, I don't know, but... Um... Yeah, um, we're lucky. I, I guess we're because we're a cybersecurity company, yes. we've got a lot in place to protect um, ourselves. Um, and then also because we're a critical national infrastructure, we're running, you know, the telecommunications and um, maritime operations. We've got a lot of protections in place. So we, we are quite lucky. But, you know, there's, there's still phishing attacks that happen. Um, you know, just the other day, someone um, sent me something which was a, a phishing that came through LinkedIn, mm. which is hard because if, if you're getting a message through LinkedIn from one of your contacts, yep. it kind of looks like it's really from yeah. them. Um, and to be honest, it was from their contact, but their contact had been compromised. Right. Um, and it, you know, it was saying, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, th these are the cyber projects I'm working on. Click on the link, and then you know, you can kind of help help us in this war against, you know, COVID or whatever it was. Yeah. And it really does look like it's from the person, so that's mm. tough. Yeah. So my big message around LinkedIn, um, and and you know basically any app is put multi-factor authentication on. So mm. that's that um, it's also been called the two-step kind of verification process. Yeah. And LinkedIn has multi-factor that you can enable really, really easily. Mm -hmm. And then it also uses the Microsoft Authenticator app, which a lot of people already have because there are a lot of people using Office 365. So that makes it even easier. So that what that will do is that will stop um, your credentials being stolen. Mm so that your account doesn't email other people yes. and, um, in, you know, in terms of an attacker kind of pretending to be you. Yep. Yeah, that's a great but, um So MFA, everything you can is my kind yes. of key there. Yeah. But then oh. even then, mm. even if you've got MFA, um, when you get an MFA notification, so that means, um, you know, you need to approve it so you can get into your account. Yeah. Make sure it's you is my other really key message. Okay. Because if you haven't triggered that, then chances are it's not you. Mm. Yep. <laughs> so don't just approve all the MFAs that come through, even if, you know, they, yeah. they might not be from you. Just check. <laughs> yeah, that's some great advice. I love that. That's really, really smart. Yeah, I, I actually, um, I, I fell for a, a similar thing via LinkedIn. I think getting a, a private message via LinkedIn from one of your first degree connections it's just kind of it just feels like oh it must be it must yeah. be legit it's so sneaky so that's really good advice and i imagine it's as simple as a simple google search would tell you if you're not sure how to do yeah. um uh, you know that um additional controls it's just to quickly do a quick search on yeah uh, enable mfa on linkedin and then it, would, it comes up amazing yeah 
great advice thank you um and then so in terms of uh getting your communications out among your people and also um okay. to the broader security and and also just the broader community in general um how how are you getting those types of security messages um out to the masses so i'm trying to use all the different mediums that are possible because you never know where people are looking or where most of their attention is um so some of my messages like in internally for cordia so um my messages will go out by email um also need use the intranet as well um i do a mix of text plus videos um and just try and you know bulletins and try and kind of keep it fresh each time mm. um I'm, I'm really lucky that our uh, our ceo is obviously a big supporter of security um so he often will endorse sort of my email that's sent which is which is great because it just gives it that kind of extra push as well which is fantastic and then also because of the situation we're in there's a lot of um coordination of comms as well so there's you know person organization um you know head of hr who, who coordinates all the comms from health and safety and security and things like that. Mm. So it does have that kind of integrated approach, which is good. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. And then uh, it was something I was um, thinking about um, yesterday, actually, is that I, I'm sure you've seen this in your space, is I've been inundated with um, third-party service suppliers. So often mm. within the tech space, they've got a, a whiz-bang app or the, the latest um a software solution to make health and safety a, a breeze and so yes i've become accustomed to that and I'm, I'm able to um filter through those that are just purely here because suddenly the market is red hot for it and those that have actually been you know tried and true and are, are actually a legitimate um solution provider are, are you finding that within the security space are, are you being inundated with third-party suppliers yeah, definitely. Um, and then there's lots of security reviews that I've had to do over this period as, as well because we're pushing new technology out to our, our people and so a security review has to be done before something actually does go out. Mm -hmm. um, but then even in, the, in my personal space, like have you noticed everyone's using social media way more than they used to? Yep. Um, like it's just in terms of people working from home, they're on social media a lot. Um, and if you think personally of the new apps that you might have downloaded recently, mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, things like Zoom, House Party, um, Kids Messenger, I've just seen that kind of come out. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, oh, what's, <laughs> need to do a security review on these as well, because yeah. inevitably, um, you know, people are downloading these and they're perhaps not thinking about privacy and security as much. And, mm -hmm. you know, they, they let the app access their contacts and you know, things like that. So there's a whole lot of security issues that we have at work. But then also personally, because we've all downloaded lots more apps than we normally would, there's a, a whole lot of personal probably privacy and security issues that are going to have to be dealt with at some stage yeah. after this as well. Mm. So, yeah, I'm thinking about that. I'm yeah. thinking about that a lot. Yeah, it's a real interesting one, isn't it? And I know um, speaking to you um, previously uh, in more of the, the private space around uh, helping your kids to make smart decisions when using technology, particularly when we've got things like Messenger for Kids and stuff like that. We've both got yeah. kids. Um, have you got any top advice to parents that have got young kids or young children who are now getting into the tech space? Yeah, and particularly because they're on their devices way more than they used to because you're trying to manage, you know, everything in the house and um, 
So my advice here is, you know, if, you, if your child is using a device, um, particularly if it's their kind of own kind of uh, iPad or tablet or whatever it is, then make sure that you're, you are managing that device. So what I mean by that is you need to kind of set it up, whether it's Android or Apple, with one of those kind of family links or um, parental kind of um, control. So you need to enable that. And then what that will do is that will let you manage what apps they're downloading. So if they want to download an app, they come to you and they say, Mum, I want to download this. You have a look. You can have a look at the, you know, the appropriate age that the app is for and whether you think it's something that is going to be fine or, um, or you don't approve of. Yep. And then so you're approving each of their app purposes, purchases. That's, that's really important. Mm -hmm. um, also, what I'm noticing in my own house is like, my kids love to watch stuff on YouTube, like all kids do. And on that, you want to make sure that it's in restricted mode. Because what that does is it filters out a lot of the um, spammy and kind of scammer kind of information that can come through, and it makes sure the content is age appropriate. But because Tom and I, um, my husband and I are in the house as well, we're watching some YouTube also, so we have to take off restricted mode sometimes to watch content that, that we want to watch. Mm. And you need to remember to switch it back on. <laughs> like I'm kind of finding that, that, that man constantly managing that as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and it's and it's not about them off in their room playing with a device. You need to be able to see what they're actually watching and things like that. Yeah, and actually having a cybersecurity conversation with them, which I know sounds bizarre, yeah. but and you don't really think about it. But you know, when they're on YouTube, talking to them about how it works, and you know, these links down here in the comments. If you click on those, you're going to go outside YouTube. And there also might be some, you know, bugs that can download on the computer because you're clicking on a link. So don't do that. Watching the video is fine. You're not going to get a virus or malware from the video. But, you know, talking them through that kind of thing. Yep. Um, and issues like what, what information did they share on the internet? Like what's appropriate sharing and what's not? Mm. For example, appropriate sharing is um, that they really like Paw Patrol or... Um, you know, who their favourite rugby player is, that's appropriate sharing. Mm -hmm. Inappropriate sharing mm -hmm. is, you know, your birthday, your address, anything really private that only your close friends and family should know. So talking them through those kind of concepts as well is really important. Yeah, some really good advice there. Um, I guess, obviously, from a security space, but obviously uh, also just from good parenting <laughs> 101, yes. really. Yeah. Um, just keeping those open communication channels with your kids. Um, when we caught up last, we, we were talking about how tech um, really was m moving into the home space. And now, you know, obviously, mm. with, with the, um, the arrival of COVID-19, it's just turbocharged it. Pushed us into the future, hasn't it? All of a sudden, uh, yeah, we're kind of here. I, so. <laughs> I, I really believe so, yeah. It's, it's kind of forced us probably five, maybe even 10 years, you know, in, into that future. And um, it's just been a real fascinating space. Now, you mentioned earlier that uh, you're moving into the podcast space yourself, which is really, really exciting. Yes. And um, I just wanted to just kind of put a little bit more fuel on that and, and get people excited for it because I, I know I am. Um, so in terms of podcasting, what, what's driven you toward that space? What, what's been your kind of um, um, reason for heading down that, that avenue? Yeah. It's a great question. Mm. So part of it was I was 
kind of self-aware of my own behavior. So I love podcasts. I listen to them all the time. So if I'm in the car on my own, I'm listening to a podcast. If I go for a run, for a walk, um, if I'm you know, at the gym or in the rowing machine, I'm listening to podcasts. I just really, really enjoy them. And I find it really efficient in terms of I'm doing something else, but I'm also learning something or, or it's you know, interesting, entertaining, whatever it might be. And I often find that um, with video, I have less time to watch that because when you're watching a video, you're kind of sitting down and you have to be concentrating on that. So in order to, I guess, reach more people, I just felt like I needed to do a podcast to to meet the need of those people that who like to just kind of listen to most of the material. Mm-hmm. The other behavior I've noticed in myself is if I'm listening to something, which I know is also a video online on YouTube, if I've really enjoyed it and, I've, and I'm really inspired or engaged with the people, I'll actually then go watch the video online as well because in video you do you do get all that those cues and the relationship stuff and it's mm. it's a lot more engaging. Um, so because I'm doing that kind of behaviour, and I think I think that's sort of generally what what people do a lot of the time. So it's just a, another method to reach more people, and then podcasts enable sort of a longer conversation as well because a lot of my youtube stuff is pretty short because you're trying to you know get people's attention so yeah it was just one of those things you know matt when you're like i've got to do this i know i've got to do this it's going to take a bit of extra time and effort but i've got to do it and then so yeah covid19 kind of made me go right (laughs) it was on my list for january Mm -hmm. um it's (laughs) now going to happen and kind of what are we first of may but anyway yeah yeah, it's going to get done no i think it's brilliant um Uh, once again we've, we've talked about this in the past around uh we're, we're both big fans of gary vaynerchuk who is kind of like the yeah. um, the podcast um youtube video king really he's just completely smashed it yes. um, in terms of providing as much value and content content on mass as possible um and even just watching how he's navigated the COVID 19 response and what's what's shifted his priorities has been really fascinating because he um uh, previous to COVID-19 was having quite um, structured, um, uh, organized podcast meetings with people, recording those and then putting them online. Now, because you can't get that face-to-face, all of a sudden it's it's awarded him the time and space to have these kinds of conversations with people that yes. follow him and having really in-depth um uh, really fast-paced um, questions that are specific to the person he's talk- talking to. And for the audience, it's so valuable because almost always yeah. the questions, you can relate it back to your current issues and concerns. It's, it's like having um, a subject matter expert on, on demand right there in your, in your living room. It's, um, it's yes. been quite fascinating. And yes. you know, perhaps we're, we're doing something similar on a lesser scale um, at the moment. It's, um, Absolutely. And, and I'm sure it, it was probably him in my ear as I'm doing my exercise and listening to a podcast. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah. okay, <laughs> I can do this. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good on you for still exercising too, by the way. I had all the right intentions. The first few days I had the weights out. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get back into this. And it's just completely fallen by the wayside again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, um, I have, I think exercise has been great just in terms of, you know, healthy mind, healthy body and, my family actually went into lockdown a week and a half before the official lockdown. 
because we've been away to Australia. So I think I think it's like week seven. I don't know. I can't remember yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, we're, we're well into this. So <laughs> it's a size yet to come. Yeah, totally. And then from your your psych, um, psychology background as well. I mean, do do you and also the fact that you've um, you've been in Christchurch, you know, through the earthquakes and and mm. um, and and everything that followed from that, and then obviously the terror attacks and all of that as well. Um, do you see um, the or, or do you recognise that there will be a, a very likely wave of um, psychosocial issues on the rise, mm-hmm. uh, both in the workplace, but also obviously within the community as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the one thing that's different about this compared to, you know, the terror attacks and the earthquake mm-hmm. is that it's uh, actually a, a shared experience for everyone, like not just New Zealand, but globally. So whereas in the earthquakes and, you know, for the terror attacks, there were people who were, like, directly affected, and then outside that, people somewhat affected, outside that, people who just kind of heard about it but not affected at all. But with this, everyone's kind of directly affected by this thing. And everyone, while we're all in the same uh, storm, as they say, we're each in a different boat, and some boats are better equipped, you know, with this than others in terms of the type of boat it might be, um, or the captain of the boat, or the people. So, yeah, I think there will be some really um, interesting, um, not just, you know, health outcomes that come out of this, but economic and, and social. And actually all of those three things are so tied together. Yeah. So, yeah, if there was ever a time to kind of look out for each other and check if people were okay, then, then this is absolutely it. And, but, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of resource um, out there that people can kind of seek for help. Uh, You know, even I know there's kind of virtual um, sessions happening between psychologists and things like that with people. So you just need to make sure you're asking for help or or talking to your GP or your best friend or whoever it might be. But um, yeah, sadly, it's still quite a uncertain, scary, fearful time for people. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. Um, and then, so in terms of connecting and um, uh, you know uh, widening widening our sources of information and, and growing community, how do we find out more about your podcast? How do we find out more about Hillary Walton? So um, you can. Uh, Google Harry Walton, that'll come up there. Um, but also my uh, kind of handle on social media is at Hills Walton, H-I-L-S-W-A-L-T-O-N. Mm-hmm. Um, the podcast will be launching next week. So I will be doing some social media around that as well. So you'll, you'll hopefully see it come through those different channels. And yeah, so uh, I'm on most of the platforms. So just, you know, go looking for there. Yeah. too easy no that's brilliant hills that's great um now throughout this session um we have been asking for questions but i've got a feeling that friday mornings is probably quite a a a busy time for many people but what we um what we do here is we record these sessions we make them available and beyond i'm actually feeling quietly inspired to also make these um sessions available on podcast as well so 
uh, we'll get these onto Spotify as, as audio because, as you've mentioned, um, Hilary, it's it's true. That everyone taps into these mediums in different ways. And often uh, if you're listening to a podcast and you think, yeah, that was a really good session, you do go back to watch the uh, the visual, you know, the, the, uh, the, the video on YouTube and other spaces. So it's definitely, definitely worth exploring that. Um, I'm just rambling on now, but this has been really awesome just talking and hanging out. Um, I'm really, it has been great. Yeah, I'm really excited for um, your podcast series. Um, I can't wait to one be involved in that, um, but uh, and also to to hear and to to see um, what you're up to in the future. And um, perhaps we could organize another time to catch up on this platform, uh, maybe in a few weeks down the road to see uh what what you've been up to change some of the learnings are yeah yeah i think the biggest challenge um that we'll probably talk about in a few weeks time is around social distancing at work i think that's going to play out really interestingly because you know people aren't going to be able to fit everyone back in the building so what do you do then do you put do you get more full space somewhere else or do half your people work from home and and how do you manage that so got a feeling that'll be the topic for next time yeah, that sounds like a really good plan to me. So we'll, we'll book that in in the next few weeks. Alrighty. Well, look, Hilary, I'll let you get back to um, your very busy life. Um, and um, yeah, just um, send my love to your bubble. And uh, we'll be in touch yes. again soon. Sounds great, Matt. Thanks so much. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Safety Tribe interview series brought to you by our sponsors, Advanced Safety. The Safety Tribe is New Zealand's VIP health and safety community, breaking the mold and doing health and safety differently. I'm your host, Matt Jones. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. Your input is the fuel that keeps the flames burning. Until next time, stay safe.